Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Hello, faithful podcast listeners. Pastor Adam here. Hey, we wanted to just give you this uh, quick announcement. First of all, I want to say how much we love you and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast on the Potter's House Church here in Virginia Beach. And just wanted to give you a heads up, we're making some changes to this podcast uh, that's going to benefit you and also our ministry here in the Potter's House Church. So just to inform you, we've switched our podcasting host. It's a service called Anchor, and that has allowed us to uh, receive and generate some income through the placement of a couple of advertisements during our podcast. So we just wanted to inform you of this change because going forward, you are going to hear one or two 30-second ads during each podcast uh, sermon. So um, as a result of that small inconvenience on your part, it means that our church can monetize these podcasts and also that means that we can receive some financial support so that we can continue the work of winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. So we just wanted to say thank you again for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing these messages. And thank you for your patience as we make this helpful change. We hope you have a great day. God bless. Uh, my children are not in school yet, so they're watching YouTube all day. And it's a, it's, a, it's a rough life, I must say. Uh, but tonight, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, we're, we're glad to, to uh, have this opportunity uh, as we enter into a new school year beginning on Tuesday. Uh, I'd like to ask to one very quick thing, if I could. If, if you're a kid who's starting school on next Tuesday, or I know a couple of you have already started school, uh, I would like you to come and sit on the front row and pay attention tonight. If you, if you could help me out with that. If you're starting school, come and sit on the front row. And I'm at, also going to ask you to do something extra special. It's more than just sit in the service, is to actually listen to what I'm going to say tonight. Uh, because uh, this message is good for everybody. But it's especially good for students who are going to be starting a new school year. And so uh, please come and join us at the front row. Thank God. Hallelujah. Let's open up our Bibles tonight. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, if you join me there. Hallelujah. Look at all these sweet little faces. (laughs) Donald, are you starting school? (laughs) Amen. Colossians chapter three come and join us tonight I read a book uh, many years ago as a new convert that uh, was it shaped my my mind and my thoughts uh, as what it meant to be a Christian 
And the name of that book was A Just Like Jesus by Max Lucado. Uh, anybody here read any Max Lucado, Max Lucado books? He's a fantastic author. Uh, but he, he wrote this book called Just Like Jesus. And it's a very, very helpful little book. Uh, the first chapter begins with the question. And the question is this. It's a question that has stuck with me all these years. And the question was, what would it be like if Jesus Christ woke up in your bed tomorrow morning? Instead of you there, you went to sleep but disappeared halfway through the night, and in your place, Jesus was laying on your pillow, and Jesus was wearing your pajamas, and Jesus got out of your bed, and Jesus put on your clothes and went to the places you were going to go. It's an interesting exercise to think about if Jesus woke up in your place what would your day look like? And this is especially helpful for students as we're thinking about a new school year ahead of us and also for everybody else here tonight, all of us adults. If Jesus woke up in your place and went to your job and did the things you were planning to do, and here's the question that really brings it down to our lives. What would be different? What would Jesus do differently than what you are planning to do? In other words, how would your plans change if Jesus woke up in your shoes? What things would he be doing that you're not planning to do? Or what things would he refuse to do that you've already got on your schedule? What things would change? If Jesus woke up in your place and went to your school and sat in your classroom, what would he say? And if tonight, if there's a big difference between what Jesus would do and what you're doing, then we must realize tonight that Jesus has called us to be his ambassadors. He has called you and me to be his hands and his feet. Everybody show, show me your hands tonight. Everybody got two hands in this place? What would life be like if you didn't have hands? What would life be like? How would you spread peanut butter on your toast? How would you brush your teeth? How would you tie your shoes? Do you see how important your hands are tonight? In the same way, I want you to understand every student and every grown person here tonight, that Jesus needs hands. He needs hands in the lives of wherever you're going to go. When you wake up tomorrow morning, the places that you go, the people that you talk to, Jesus needs hands in order to be able to help this world that is broken. Can you say amen? So in the scripture we're about to read, we're going to discover how Jesus does want to wake up in your bed tomorrow morning. And I want you to follow along with me. I'm going to read this scripture in two separate translations. The first one's going to be in New King James. The second one's going to be in the Message Translation. So follow along with me because this scripture really does have great power to influence our lives. It says, uh, Colossians 3, verse 12, Therefore, 
as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Verse 17 is the real the real point of this message tonight i want you to hear it whatever you do in word or in deed do all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him let me read that same scripture in a different translation the message it says it like this chosen by god for this new life of love dress in the wardrobe god picked out for you compassion kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and as completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. Sing. Sing your hearts out to God. And let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever you do, let it be done in the name of the Master, Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus, praising you, Lord, for the work that you're doing. I thank you for these young people sitting on the front row tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you have prepared a path for them, that you have brought them into this point, into this place, and you want to speak to them. I'm praying, God, that you would prepare us for a school year. Help every parent in this place. Every parent, every child, and everyone else who is here, Lord, that you would help us to be your hands and your feet, to be the influence in the world that you've called us to be. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. Amen. I remember when I was in school, and especially as an early teenager, junior high and high school, I had a, a common recurring nightmare. Maybe I'm not alone in this. This seems to be a very common nightmare that people have. But it was a nightmare where I I saw myself in a classroom, and everyone was there, and the teacher was up front, and I looked down and realized that I was in my underwear. (laughs) Did you ever have a nightmare like that? (laughs) Uh, Maybe I'm weird, but (laughs) but I had... I had this, this recurring nightmare. It happened so many times, especially. And because there is such a feeling of shame and you're unprepared and wake up and say, oh, thank God, I'm not in my classroom. I'm just still in my bed. And, you know, that would be a horrible thing if that actually took place, wouldn't it? 
I mean, that would emotionally scar you for the rest of your life if that truly happened. I want to uh, take that example tonight because I believe God has prepared for us some clothing to wear wherever we go. Our scripture began to speak about garments and clothing. Now, you, uh, you know, this, this time of year, uh, every Walmart and Target uh, and every grocery store is packed to the brim with children uh, and parents scrambling, trying to follow the list. So you prob- that was probably you this week, or if it's not, it's you this weekend, buying pencils and bags and markers and erasers and glue and, uh, and all of the supplies. Uh, and it, it is becoming a rival to the Christmas season that people are buying so much and so many things and especially purchasing new clothes for the new school year. I remember uh, when, when I was still in school, I remember taking these shopping trips, uh, shopping trips to, we, we used to go to Mervyn's. That was our favorite place. Some of y'all don't know about Mervyn's, but that, man, Mervyn's was where it was at. Because, because over the summer, you know, me and my brother, our legs would grow about two or three inches. And uh, my mom was saying, you know, you can't go back to school like that. We got to go to Mervyn's. And so we would go and we would suit up, man. We would get uh, our new shoes and new pants. And in Arizona, you got to have shorts and, you know. And, and that's what the goal is. We have to make sure that we've got the right clothes for the right year. Because you don't want to show up in just your underwear. This is also true tonight. How terrible it would be if we prepared physically but we didn't prepare spiritually for a school year ahead. How terrible it would be if we had all the nice new kicks and and, and all the right sweatshirts and all the right t-shirts, but we didn't have things like mercy or forgiveness or meekness. I'd say it's probably better to have old clothes and to show up with some long-suffering. In the next school year, Jesus gives us some garments that we ought to be putting on. And that is because of the very first word that was in this scripture. It was in verse 12. It says, as the elect of God. Everybody say elect. Elect. Oh, aren't you glad we're coming into another election season? Oh, Lord, help us. Election (laughs) season is a time when we begin to choose leaders for our nation. But when God says that we have been elected, do you know what he means? It means that you have been chosen. You have been chosen. Everybody on the front row, look at me. You have been chosen. God has chosen you to be where you are. It is not an accident tonight. Every one of us has purpose in his kingdom. And so whatever school you are starting next week, I want you to understand it's not an accident. I want you to understand tonight that God, from eternity past, he has been placing things in motion and putting your steps in certain places, and he has been helping your parents to make decisions about where you're going to go to school. And God knew 10,000 years ago that you were going to be starting school next week at the school that you're going to. Do you understand that? 
And that God has chosen you. He has elected you. He has pulled the lever and voted for you to be in that classroom. I want you to understand that that's true, not just for students. That's true for everyone here tonight. God has chosen for you to work at the place that you work at. God has chosen the neighborhood that you live in. God has chosen the family that you were born in. It is not a mistake tonight. And there is a reason that God has made those choices. How many trust that God makes good decisions? God doesn't make mistakes. Now, tonight, we understand that a fallen world, sometimes, not sometimes, many times, that we go against God's choices. But it doesn't remove the fact that God is crafting His perfect plan through our lives. This scripture says, we are the elect of God. We have been chosen for this new life of love. When Queen Esther... She found herself alive at a certain time where she was a a Jewish girl in a a foreign land, in a place where there was a a rebellion. There was a place where they came against the Jewish people and wanted to kill them. And uh, there was terrible things happening. And she has this uncle named Mordecai. Mordecai understands something. That Queen Esther, you've not been made the queen for no reason it's not just so that you can wear fancy dresses and wear a nice crown mordecai reminds her that the lord has put you for such a time as this he has orchestrated life so that you could have a position of power and prominence for this time it's because of queen esther it's because of her influence she was not some super special person's But I want to tell you that she simply responded to the election that God had. And I want you to realize, everybody here tonight, God has chosen for us to be where we are. The question is, how are we going to show up? Are we going to show up spiritually like my recurring nightmare in in, in in a classroom with no clothing? Or are we going to show up spiritually dressed, spiritually prepared? Because I want to tell you, no matter uh, if you are homeschooling or if you are in a public school or in some other option, it's going to take some mental preparation, isn't it? And we're going to have to stay strong. Some of the things that uh, that the Bible mentions here in this scripture, I, I boiled them down to basically three categories. Bible says to put on tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering. That is to me, that's a good attitude. <laughs> you know, a good attitude. Uh, there, there's uh, some changes happening at, at my workplace. And, you know, we had we had hired a guy who was working there for about the last year. And, you know, he, he was good at fixing computers, but he just always had a nasty attitude, man. And, and people would come into the shop with, you know, holding a broken computer. And, and they could just instantly feel bad attitude. He didn't want to be there. And it's no wonder why he got fired, you know. 
because a bad attitude just sucks the life out of everything. You know, it, it would be wrong, I think, for students, and especially Christians in this place, people who believe in Jesus, to have a bad attitude. What does it look like to have a good attitude? Well, it, we, we had some, some listings, and thank God for our children's church. They've already done a lot of good work. You've learned some, some, uh, some what it means to have a good attitude, haven't you, on Sunday mornings? You've been learning about things, uh, what it means to, to have mercy and kindness and forgiveness. But this is, the, this is what the Scripture said. Put on tender, mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. And isn't it interesting that it says to put these things on? It's like a garment. It's like when the, when the weather is cold outside, you're not just going to go out there with a little T-shirt and a pair of shorts. You're going to put some things on. You're going to layer some things, right? You know, as you're getting ready for school in the next week, we should start to put these things on. Put on humility, meekness, parents. Sometimes we can get frustrated too, can't we? Especially if you're teaching your own children. Maybe we need to put on some kindness and humility and long-suffering. It works a lot better when you say it like that. The second category of things we need to put on is the idea of forgiveness. Look at what the, the Scripture says there in verse 13. It says, bearing one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. And so this is, acknowledges something that's true. It's true in kindergarten. It's true in first grade. It's true in third grade and fifth grade and seventh grade and ninth grade. And it's also true when you're 96 years old like my grandma. In life, people are going to hurt you. People are going to offend you. People are going to say bad things about you. People are going to make fun of you. There's going to be bullies. Maybe you're the bully. But the point is that there's going to be a need for us to forgive each other, as long as there are sinners in the world. Are there still sinners in the world? When you go to school, are you going to meet a few sinners in your classroom? Probably. Maybe your teacher. <laughs> Maybe they're a sinner. They do their best, but you know what? We're all sinners. And so it's going to be necessary for us to put on the garment of the willingness to forgive. Some of you adults needed to hear that tonight. The willingness to forgive. You know, our flesh wants to hold on to things. Our flesh wants to, wants to punish and take vengeance on people but the scripture says that that's not how christ treated us he had the right to punish us didn't he but he chose to forgive and in the same way that christ forgave us so also we must do the final thing that the scripture spoke speaks about the garment that we need to put on is the garment of love everybody say love the garment of love let me ask you, when you walk out of your house, are you wearing the garment of love? This is why families that stay intact have such an advantage. 
Because in a house where mom and dad love one another, that love extends to the children. And they walk out of the house feeling loved, don't they? Not everybody has that rosy situation, though. And so we have to put on the garment of love. We have to be in the word of God. Listen, where does love come from? Who teaches us about love? The world certainly doesn't. I see the Beatles on your T-shirt over here. And John Lennon saying, all you need is love. Right? (laughs) But see, tonight, what he was talking about was only the love of the world. It was the love of the flesh. But who really taught us about what love is? Jesus did. The sacrificial love. The willingness to put yourself out there so that others can benefit. So let's look secondly this evening, not only what we need to wear, our school clothing, our uniforms. But I want to show you what the Bible says about how to stay strong. Because here's what normally happens. You're going to hear a message like this and you're going to get excited and you say, yeah, pastor, yeah, I want to do well. I want to live for God. I want to be the hands and the feet. And then what happens? Boom. Take a hit. Get embarrassed. Have a failure. And we don't follow through. So how do we stay strong in our decision to live for God? Look at verse 16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Where do we find the words of Christ? Where do we find the words of Christ? Can I just remind you, you kids... That the word of Christ is not on the soccer field. The words of Christ are not on the YouTube channel. The words of Christ are not on the television. Do you know where you find them? Right here. Beg your parents to read the scriptures to you. Beg them. Please, I'll be good if you read me the Bible. We need to understand what the words of Christ are. Because through the words of Christ, we begin to understand how to stay strong. I want to encourage every child here, every parent, to have a Bible plan. You don't have to read the whole thing in a week, but read something. Have a plan. You know, the only time that you read the Bible is in Sunday Sunday school. You're not going to make it. It needs to be part of your daily life. What if I told you kids on the front row here that uh, uh, you're only going to be eating one day a week? Would that be okay with you? No, you have to eat something every day, don't you? You have to eat something more than just once a day. You probably want to have like at least two meals or three meals and some snacks in between, don't you? you know what our spiritual food is tonight? This is it. This is how we stay strong spiritually. You know what would happen to your body if you only ate one time a week? You'd become so weak you couldn't even get out of bed. You'd become so tired and sick, your body, you'd be, you'd be hurting. 
And it's true with our faith, isn't it? When we don't have the Word of God, when we're not feasting on His words. But keep reading in verse 16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. This is why we sing songs in every single service. This is why we sing. You can't, you can't be, uh, you can't be bored about something that you're singing about. One of the big problems in in young people is I'm bored. Parents have heard that a few times, probably. You know they don't make boring songs. I'm bored. Songs are made about things that we're excited about, and so we should practice that. Listen to what it said. In, uh, in verse, that was in verse 16. It said, it's instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing, sing, sing your hearts out to God. I like that. Sing your hearts out to God. How do we stay strong? We need the word of Christ. And where does the word of Christ come from? It comes in the presence of of other believers singing and teaching and admonishing one another. Where does that happen? That happens in church. It should also be happening around the dinner table. It should should be happening together as we come together in, in our homes and we should be encouraging one another, not just about talking about grades and about school and about the teacher and about little Johnny who pulled my hair and about... Yes, we, we talk about the things of life. But we should also be talking about psalms and hymns and teaching and admonishing, singing with grace to one another. Can I just remind you kids that you need to be in church? Can I remind you parents that, it's, that church is not just for you? You know, 15 years is going to pass pretty quick and you're going to feel old. And your kids are going to grow up. And what are they going to do then? What's sitting, the people sitting on this front row are future song service leaders, drummers, preachers, church leaders, outreach leaders. That's that's who's up here. Why are you shaking your head? You need church. Because church is where this happens. Old people need the young people to rise up. Young people need the old people to be faithful and keep doing what we know is right. Kids, you need to bug your parents. Take me to church. I need to be in church. I need to be there, not just to follow you, but because I need my own relationship with God. Can can I just, how, how many here on the front row, you love your grandma and grandpa? Don't you love grandma and grandpa? Man, they spoil you silly, don't they? Thank God for grandma and grandpas. But let me tell you something. God does not have grandchildren. He is not a grandpa. God is a father. What that means tonight is that nobody can replace your life for God. Your parents can't live for God for you. 
Does that make sense? You can, you, God can be your father, but he can't be your grandfather. That means every person here, you need to know God for yourself. You need to know Jesus for yourself. That's why church should be a priority. Parents need to be very careful that we don't make homework and good grades a higher priority than worshiping God. I would rather have my kids bring home a C on their report card than to have them be seized by the spirit of this age. Are you hearing me? I'd rather have them struggling in school but have a great relationship with God. Because in 20 years and 30 years, who remembers your report card anyway? But what will we remember? I'll remember that I live, continue to live for God. Keep my heart right. If your child had a perfect homework grade but a lost soul, would that make you happy? As we close, I want you to think about this one last scripture in verse 17. Again, in the New King James, it said, Whatever you do in word, or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the message, it said it like this. Let every detail, say every detail. detail. Let every detail in your life, your words, actions, whatever, let it be done in the name of the Master, Jesus. This is where we realize tonight that the things that we do are not just random. The time that we spend is not just wasting away to nothing, but it's meaningful. The school you're going to or the workplace that you go to or the neighborhood that you live in, that we ought to be living in these places and going to these places in the name of Jesus as if it was Jesus waking up in our place. So kids, do you realize that you are an ambassador? That you go into that schoolroom, you go into that classroom, and you're gonna you're gonna you're, you're gonna tell somebody about Jesus with the way that you live, the way you act. I heard somebody say today, you know, w- when you read about Jesus, Jesus never asked his he never asked his followers to call themselves Christians. He didn't say, hey, everybody, I want you to label yourself as a Christian. You know what he did say? He said, follow me and be my disciple. And that's still the call today. So the call is more than just go to school and say, hey, everybody, I'm a Christian. No. What we should be doing is to be a disciple. It means to act like him, to talk like him, and to 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 realize that when we're working to get a good grade, that we should be doing it not just for your parents, not just for your teacher, not just for you to get a good grade, but that we should be bringing glory and honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to show a little video here about, a, um, about something that's happening on October 3rd, something that uh, 
could be more than just a one-day event of the year, but um, it's something called Bring Your Bible to School Day. And this is an initiative put on by Focus on the Family, and it is uh, something that they organize. And I want to encourage every student here, especially if you're in a public school, uh, because there are a lot of kids there that don't know anything about God, don't know anything about Jesus. And so this is, uh, we're going to put this little poster up. It says, bring your Bible to school day. It's on October 3rd. It's a day where all you need to do is bring your Bible with you and carry it throughout your day. And so uh, let's show this little video here about one young, young man who took that challenge and he decided to bring his Bible to school and we'll see what happened with him. My name is Perry, and I've been bringing my Bible to school since about seventh grade. I wanted to start bringing my Bible to school because a lot of people were interested, and they had the right response to it. They were kind of like, you know, what, what does the Bible say about this? And then we would just look it up right there, and then I decided to just keep doing that. I just put it out of my backpack because I would always have it on me, even if it wasn't, you know, on my desk or visible. So became kind of a, you know, a thing. I knew this girl and we were talking every single class and she was really the reason I wanted to start bringing my Bible to school because she was just really curious for like no reason, you know, like she was asking questions and starting a conversation and a conversation that I was genuinely interested in. I was talking to her about stuff and she wasn't bored with the Bible or the truth. So Everybody seemed pretty okay with me just coming up with the idea with a Bible study. So I came with flyers and people helped me like spread them out. I expected two, maybe like three people at the most, but it started out with five or six, maybe even seven people. I even got to, you know, preach a little bit. I had never really done that before, but I kind of just, whatever God wanted me to say, I said it and ate helped me to figure out, you know, that I can be a part of high school and I can be, you know, an athlete, be in sports and not get caught up like everybody else trying to become popular. Going to God was really like my first option. Coming into my junior year, I had a lot of expectations. A lot of those expectations failed. God just broke me down. My mom got diagnosed with cancer and it was, it was really hard, it was really sudden. You know, I had to focus more on, you know, my mom and my family as a whole. You know, I couldn't just, you know, step out and take a break. All my expectations falling at once, it kind of just led me into a hole. You know, my, my dad saw that. He said, here's what you got to do. You need to wake up in the morning, read 10 verses a day. If you read 10 verses a day and then you become interested you know, you, you might read past that, you might read 20 verses, you might read a whole chapter. And it took me a while, but I did it, you know, two or three times in one week. And all of a sudden, like it seemed like there weren't any clouds in the sky and everybody seemed a little bit nicer. I didn't need to, you know, fight against anything that day. That doesn't happen because of circumstance, that happens because of God. I think that if, if you take one step you know, one action at a time. You just take your Bible to school, um, and then 
you know, place it on your desk or just hold it during one moment in the day. And then whether right there or way later on in your life, you realize that, you know, that was exactly what I needed in that moment. Amen. Let's give God praise for that. Hallelujah. So we're going we're gonna to be putting this up. I'd encourage parents to go to the website, bringyourbible.org, and uh, sign up for that. There's lots of good um, information and, um, and uh, material that you can download. This is perfectly legal. Uh, there's no legal limitations that, uh, that are on your children. They are free to express their religious view, points of view in the classroom. Nobody can stop them, and if they do, we can sue them. Uh, we have the right to hold religious convictions at school. It's not just the Muslims. Christians can believe in public, too. And I want to encourage you Christians, you, you, uh, you students in this front row, to not be passive about your faith. If you're passive about your faith now, what do you think it's going to be like when you get older? And to understand that just by bringing a Bible to school, you might not think that that's a big deal, but it is a big deal. To realize that there is a message that is carried with this book. People will ask you about it, and all of a sudden you're going to find yourself talking about it. And I want to I pray tonight. We're going to close this service in prayer. We're going to have an altar call, and then we're going to pray for the students tonight. Uh, we're going to pray for God's hand upon them. Uh, we're also going to pray for boldness, because that's what we need. We need boldness to speak up for Jesus. Don't be intimidated. Back to school, and we're going to bring our Bibles. Amen. We're going to believe God to help us. Amen. Let's bow our heads for just a moment, close our eyes, as God deals with our hearts. And for just a moment, I want to ask you, I want you to, to take a moment, close your eyes, bow your heads, let's be serious for just a minute, and I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you right with God? Have your sins been forgiven? Ask yourself, if you were to die tonight, would you be in the arms of Jesus because of what he did for you? If you're not sure tonight, then guess what? There's something that you can do about it. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one who's righteous. There's not one who deserves to be in heaven. But, Christ died for sinners like us, for people who make bad mistakes. And he's here tonight because he wants to forgive you. He wants to help you. He wants to make you one of his disciples. But tonight, you've got to want it. If that's you tonight, I want to pray with you. Young people in the front, anyone else tonight, say, yes, pastor, I need to be forgiven. I need my sins washed away. I want to live for God, and I want to do what's right, and I want to be your hands and your feet. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand quickly? Is there someone here being honest? Say, Lord, I want to know who you are. I don't want to just know about you. I don't want to just have other people around me know you, but I want to know you for myself. Is that you tonight? Would you lift up your hand so I can see it? Being honest? Say, I need, I need to be saved. Is there anyone here quickly tonight? We're going to open up this altar quickly tonight as we uh, bring this service to a close and as God's dealing with us. I'd like to ask you to stand to your feet. And what we'll do quickly tonight is we want to be who God called us to be, to realize that he's chosen us for this time. 
I want to ask you to come forward as we pray uh, here at the altar. Let's believe God to fill us with His Spirit, with His grace. Let's come tonight and let's pray to the Lord. Let's ask God for His mercy to fill us with His boldness. That we can do something for Him. This is our time. We can come together and pray right here at this altar. Let's cry out to God for just a few moments and then we'll pray together in Jesus' name. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vvph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.